Grounded is an arts, wellness, and media brand that is rooted in healing through creativity and culture. Create space and time with Grounded and be inspired to lead a well-balanced life. Live your life authentically and freely with Grounded. Hello beautiful beings, you're now tuning into the Grounded Podcast where we share your wellness, art, and lifestyle stories to connect and inspire. I'm Bianca Yuzon Henares and we're coming at you today from EPX headquarters. Today's guest is an actress, host, and supermodel who over her long and fruitful career has graced the stage, our screens, and various magazine covers internationally. Also gracing our hearts along the way with her warmth, charm, inner and outer beauty. An avid yogi and yoga teacher, she led the Philippine leg of the Global Mala Project, the largest unified worldwide yoga event in history dedicated to promoting positive change in the world. Her creativity and love for the arts also shines through art consultancy, fashion design collaborations, and as an entrepreneur and producer. A wonderful wife and mother of two, soon to be three. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a warm, grounded welcome to the one and only alluring goddess, like woman of the world, Teresa Herrero. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Hi, Teresa. Hi. Welcome to the Grounded Podcast. We are so excited to have you here. Finally, um, introduction aside, can you tell us a bit about yourself, in your own words, your passions, like what makes you tick? Um, well, you did such a great job introducing me. I was Thank like, wow, you. who's that? <laughs> I got you. tired just listening to it. I, I had to like, condense that. I had to condense um, that, by the way. I was like, oh, she does so much. Aw, um, thank you so much. Um, but who am I really? Mm-hmm. I am a mom of two boys. That's how I identify myself pretty much these days. Okay. I'm a creative. I'm a curious being. But who am I really, really? I am a Pisces. <laughs> I am a manifester in human design. Mm-hmm. I am a dragon in feng shui um, or in Chinese astrology. What else? I love dogs. Mm-hmm. I love nature. I love scuba diving. It's pretty much rounds it off. Nice. You're a girl, a woman after our own hearts. I'm also a water sign baby. You are. I'm a cancer. So <gasps> oh, gosh. That's why. Yes. We vibe. We totally vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, having lived all over the world, you lived in New York, L.A., Hong Kong, to name a few places. Were there any cultural practices that stood out to you or that you adopted as your own and picked up along the way that you kind of still practice in your daily life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in my early years, in my early 20s, when I was traveling around Asia working as a model, that's how I came across meditation. Oh, wow. I was living in Thailand. I came across a monastery that I was like, hmm, what's this about? And then uh, I was introduced to the practice of meditation. And so it was the old school style where they're like, oh, you want to learn? Okay, come here, sit. And then they don't tell you anything and they don't talk to you for oh like goodness. hours. And then you're just like, okay. Um, the first day I lasted maybe like 45 minutes. And then the next day I came back, it was like an hour. The next day I came back, it was just getting longer and longer. And then, you know, I think that's part of how they train you. I, I, I still was trying to figure it out. But um, so that opened the path for me. And since I was traveling on my own in my early 20s, and I had a lot of time for self-discovery. You know, um, I, I wasn't really a party person, and I, and fortunately, I worked a lot, so my call times were always like seven in the morning. Right. That I didn't really go out at night, so I would read books, and it really opened up this whole world of the metaphysical and what is beyond life, and you know, how do we live the most and get the most out of life here and now. You know, so that kind of started, I was like, maybe like 18. Wow. And then I came across yoga when I was 19 um, through Shiva Ray when I went back to L.A. And um, and I started going to a yoga studio, which was down the street from where I lived. And mm-hmm. it was called Yoga Works. Wow. And that studio was back then. It was like a mom and pop shop. You know, it wasn't like corporate yoga, how it is these days. Mm-hmm. And. It was just really like, it was a cool vibe. It was a good time. Wow, so meditation from Thailand and yeah. yoga from LA. From LA, And yeah. I just want to say, wow, your first day, you lasted 45 minutes. That's not, that's no small feat. 
because like without them saying anything that's kind of a long time yeah so that's awesome it reminded me of eat pray love where same yeah. thing they don't you, you figure it out for yourself you go within mm-hmm. and yeah with your modeling career and acting career have you taken any bits from the stage that have contributed to your self-development like for example hyper body awareness discipline mindfulness for sure Mm -hmm. you know people think that just because you're in the arts Mm -hmm. or you're in the creative field that it's permission to be flighty which I don't believe in that Um, I believe in work ethic I believe that you show up and then your muse will show up Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like you got to wake up every day do the work if you're an actor you go to class you read plays you read writers that's the only way you're going to know good material from bad material you know and and I studied with teachers I mean thankfully who instilled that in me I studied with acting coaches Larry Boss and then Shakespeare with um Patsy Rodenberg, like, you know, and then I read a book, Twyla Tharp, The Creative Habit, which I really love. And to this day, she's like, it's about showing up every day and doing the work. And then inspiration strikes, you know? I think, if I'm not mistaken, Neil Gaiman kind of said the same thing. Yes. And, like, the muse will show up, but she has to find you working or she'll get out the door. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Nothing for me here. I'm actually currently reading The War of Art. Oh. And it, it touches on the same subject. It's yeah. like everybody has this certain resistance and it's your it's your duty, it's your job as an artist every day to just get out there, put yourself out there and like do the work. Do the work, show up. As it's you it's mentioned. practice. Mm. Just like you do in meditation or yoga, you practice. I believe the same. it's the same in creativity, you know? It's a practice. Mm-hmm. You have to show up daily and be open and available. How did you come to really commit and fall in love with yoga to the point that you wanted to be a teacher and what do you like best about it? Oh, good question. Um, I, I wasn't that perfect yoga student, definitely. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I rolled into class late. I, you know, I would go, but I just remembered when I walked out of class, I felt good. And then how do I extend and make that feeling last? So my one day a week became three days a week and then became every day and then I ended up taking a part-time job at the studio so I could you know do yoga for free and then um, and then I think when I started studying with Shiva um, I so I started yoga in 1996 and I think in 2005 Shiva was like you know you might want to think about teaching because she just thought you know it wasn't something I thought I was going to get into and oh I'm going to become a yoga teacher no but I just remembered how I felt and how it made me feel walking out. And you just, you feel open. And, you know, they talk about that yoga high. Mm-hmm. But it's really, you just feel open and so much love. And you feel at one with the universe. And then the more classes you go to or the more teachers you study with, you just get a deeper understanding of the world and the environment around you. And, and I like that. And so with Shiva's encouragement, she was like, yeah, might want to think about it. And so... I ended up doing teacher training with her. <laughs> nice. Yeah. One thing led to another, and then before yeah. you knew it, you were a yoga teacher. Yeah. I get what you mean about that high that you get after yeah. yoga. Um, you kind of, you vibrate on a certain certain there frequency, and then after a while, you look for it, and anything less than that, you're like, mm, I want to get myself back on that. Exactly. Yeah. So do you have any favorite types of yoga that you stick to or do you like to change it up? And what do you teach as a... Well, I started out doing Ashtanga yoga for about three years. That's where I really started with Chuck uh, Miller and Matias Rati. And then, of course, um, like a creative flow with Shiva Ray, you know, which is a prana vinyasa flow, Mm -hmm. breath and shaded movements. And then Shiva taught this class called Yoga Trance Dance. And that's what I like, fell in love with yoga because... Yoga trance dance is a mixture of yoga and freeform dance. And you get to use like so many cool music from like African beats, you know, Brazilian drumming. And I could use like reggae. I could use like Marvin Gaye and then go to hip hop, you know. That's so interesting because when people think of yoga, usually you think of those like spa, like Zen instrumentals. But here you're saying you could use all kinds yeah so that's pretty much what I teach um, I, I know I'm certified in prana vinyasa flow but then I teach yoga trance dance during the global mala project nice 
Yes. Yeah. And can you tell us more about the Global Mala Project? Because you organized the Philippine Leg. Yes. And based on what I read, it was happening all around the world. Yes. And you had all these yoga classes available, as well as healthy food, talks, and other mm-hmm. activities. It was kind of like our local Coachella <laughs> festival for yoga, except <laughs> not as expensive, and all the proceeds went to charity. Exactly. We wanted to make it accessible. Well, again, Shiva is the catalyst for the event. I was working with her part-time as well, and Amazing. then she came back from a hike one day, and she was like, you know what would be cool is if there was like an event that we could like form a mala around the earth and a mala is like a rosary bead you know oh. it's like it's a meditation bead okay you, you you form a mala around the earth and you know you create this one day of using yoga as peace and action that's kind of how that started we're like oh cool idea let's start with la and so the idea was to unite 108 yoga studios in la first and go with that but we hit that target in like a week nice so there were and then the rest of her other teachers from all over the world are like well can we have one in sydney can we have one in london can we have one in copenhagen and then she was like why don't you do one in the philippines you know what i mean and like Looking honestly you, and like, i'm like uh, <laughs> i'm not an event producer but um i'll ask my sister if she can help me so yeah that's kind of how that started and i remember our first year it was 2007 I think there was like one yoga studio oh my in Manila goodness. at the time. There wasn't a lot, um, but the awareness was there. The seed was there. So we kind of grew with the community. We had 60 people that came to the first event, and that wow. included the teachers. Oh. You know, so and, and, and I'm just so grateful and happy to see how the event has grown, and the community has really embraced it as its own. You know, it, it's a community event. Yeah, cut to now and people are like, when's the next one? Yeah, we have about we had about 850 people attend last one. That's amazing. Last year, yeah. Wow, well, we'd, we at Grounded would love to join. We would love to have you. <laughs> we're already there. From finding out you were pregnant for the third time now, how have you managed to continue to stay so fit? Because if I didn't know, like if I only saw you from up here, I'd be like, what? She's pregnant? And how do you keep moving? Do you have any tips for other pregnant women out there that want to stay active, but do it in a way that's safe for mom and baby? Absolutely. Um, Well, I'm a yogi. I'm a yoga practitioner. So yoga for me has been pretty much, I've done yoga all throughout three pregnancies. But I also have to say when my belly started to get bigger, Um, I needed some support. So Pilates really helped as well because you have the reformer to kind of take on some of that weight. So that really helps keep the muscles toned and long. So there's a specific prenatal. Is it like for the first trimester, second, third, or can you do it throughout? There's different movements. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, they have different prenatal yoga classes in studios. For myself, um, the first trimester is probably your most sensitive. So you want to stick to more like lengthening postures taking things really slow you wouldn't Mm. jump into a normal practice like you would in a normal yoga class you know I would take things like I would dial it down two times slower Um, nothing that would contract your abdomen your middle part because you want to make sure that the baby is formed before you start doing anything any exertion in that area um, some people are different. Some people like to go, hey, I have like, hardcore. Yeah, like let's do hit movement <laughs> and out. like all out. Let's do CrossFit. Like, mm-hmm. great, but that doesn't work for me. For me, it's like all about creating harmony and creating space and breathing. Breathing is so important and meditation mm-hmm. is so important. I guess you have to know what works for you as well. For sure. Um, Someone was telling me recently, one of my friends just gave birth and she was saying, you know, if you've always um, stuck to like a really rigid workout schedule and you're that fit or like you've done marathons, when you're pregnant, you can still not maintain that level of exercise, but your body won't get shocked. But if you, let's say, live a more sedentary lifestyle and then like you get pregnant you really need to pace yourself yes also like it's not just about physical exercise i believe total body fitness is about 70 percent nutrition right what you're eating because people say oh okay i'm doing yoga five times a day or i'm doing whatever boxing 
but I'm not losing weight. And it's like, well, let's look at your nutrition. What are you eating? Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that's probably more important what you put in your body. Like a bigger percent. That's a bigger percent. percent. And like right. I would say 30, 40% is your movement, what you decide to do, whether it's walking, boxing, biking, swimming. Like I love swimming. I like full body exercises that are free, <laughs> that I can just walk out of my house and go walk around the Anytime. block. Like let's be real. Walk your dogs. Yeah, it's got to be something accessible you know i don't want to sit in traffic for 30 minutes to try to get to a gym you know you know what i mean it's got to be something that you can maintain for a long period of time if if you want to have a healthy lifestyle you were talking about how diet plays a big role in overall physical wellness and well-being absolutely yeah but what do you adhere to in like your own life do you stick to diet or is it more of a lifestyle it's really a lifestyle of eating whole foods, organic, a lot of greens, um, bone broth, you know, it's, it's, I've learned so many different, like, I'm not a big fan of that word diet, you know, I'm more, I like to focus on more like nutrition, like what can you do to nourish your body? Um, what are the foods that are based on that? And, and what works well for you? Like, what do you, what do you like to eat? You know, that has to be like eating has to be an enjoyable experience. It can't be like, yeah, you can't be suffering. You can't be suffering while you're eating. Otherwise, you're like, what am I doing to myself? You you feel deprived. And then after a while and then you binge. Right. Right. So it's got to be something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like you got to be just gentle with yourself, practical. See what works for you. See what you're allergic to. I think that's the number one thing that people are not aware of what they're allergic to. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like, say, if you're gluten intolerant. You could actually solve a lot of problems by seeing if you're gluten intolerant because they're like, I'm gaining weight, I'm this and that. It's like, well, maybe there's some sensitivities or inflammation there that you're not aware of. So maybe get a baseline of like tests of, you know, your food sensitivities, your allergies, things like that. And then from there, create a sustainable, you know, whole food type lifestyle that you could maintain that's accessible to you. That, that's so important. Mm. That's accessible to you, that you love, that you're excited to, for meal times. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's so hard um, to be vegan or vegetarian in the Philippines because there aren't that many options. But you don't necessarily have to be um, fully plant-based. Like you said, you can find what works for you, maybe occasionally yeah. have meat. It's about, yeah. I feel, also discovering your own personal preferences and like you said allergies yes what you're allergic to and what's really nourishing foods understand which foods give you the proper fuel and energy versus foods that don't you know like anything sugar or processed or anything like that that's really false energy you want to stick to more like high fats avocado olive oil you know even bacon like i love bacon you know what i mean it's like you just need to like your body is a machine and you just got to figure out like oh what gasoline is the most optimal that i can put in my body for it to run well do you find that time also affects like what time you eat because for some people they follow an intermittent lifestyle and then for some people they say oh i don't like eating past 9 p.m because i feel bloated yeah um for you personally what works do you have three meals a day do you do like little meals I do three meals a day, um, yes, um, but when I'm pregnant, I get full fast, so I I have more like smaller meals. So now I'm doing like five meals, six meals, but smaller, like every two, three hours, because I get hungry faster. Because your baby's just like, okay, that's enough. Yeah, or just like like, there's no room, (laughs) so it's kind of like it fills up faster, so I'm like, okay. What do you is so healing about movement? Uh, not just exercising to get ripped or to maintain your figure. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mm-mm. but more in movement as medicine. Yoga is perfect for that because yoga, the word yoke is to unite, you know, unite the breath and the body, um, your mind and your body. You know, it's about like really pulling all these things together so that there's a brain and heart uh, coherence. And then you feel like, OK, I'm one. You know, you know what I mean? That's the flip side benefit. I think that's the larger benefit of yoga. Of yoga. More so than the yoga butt or the asana. <laughs> or the abs. You know, or the abs yeah. or whatever. Like that's great and all. That's asanas. And those are like physical, like toning for your muscles. But a, the bigger, I think, benefit is really like the grounding, the cern- you know, the, the um, centeredness, the clarity of thought, you know. 
handling, you learn how to handle situations, not just how, how you practice on the mat, is how you learn how to handle situations off the mat. So for example, when you come to a challenging asana and you're doing a handstand, let's for example, and you're like, <laughs> and you're breathing so hard. Like or you're that, muscling your way yeah, through it. Yeah, you're muscling like, your way through. It's like, yeah. you're not going to get to that handstand. You know, you can't let your ego defeat you. That's when you learn to pull back, work with your breath, work, the breath works with the movement. And then before you know it, you're like in sirsasana, you know, which is that wow. headstand. It's like you find the ease. You find the ease. And then you're like, oh, well, I could do this in life too. And then you learn how to navigate life, you know, and it becomes this beautiful dance. So it's, it works on and off the mat. That's beautiful. Ah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, Teresa, how do you view the current arts and culture community in the Philippines? Are there any events you look forward to every year, like art fair? Absolutely. Oh, gosh, it's, it's so exciting, the art scene here, and it's really thriving, I think. Um, now more than ever, because of technology, people are given the tools to really be as creative as possible like whereas before the the barrier to entry was the cost was so expensive right for a photographer let's say all the equipment and this and that and dark room and printing but now you can pick anybody could be a photographer you can pick up yeah you have your phone and you can just really be so creatively expressive these days whether it's through visual arts performing arts you know, like music. Right. You know, like. So who are some of your favorite local artists? Um, for visual arts, like I, I look forward to art fair every year mm-hmm. I go. Um, some of my favorites locally that come to mind, there's so many, but right off the top of my head, like Maria Taniguchi, it's got a very minimalist, like very clean aesthetic. Um, I also love street art, like street yeah. artists, like Egg Fiasco, mm-hmm. like those guys. They're really cool. Of course, Archie Giottina, Chichi Monster. I have him. I like photography, Tom Epperson. Mm-hmm. I love his work. Um, and some, some younger photographers as well. There's so many. I, I don't know. I just, I'm sure the list is so long. But I know. There's so many. Off it's the just, top of your head, it was... You know, we have an advantage because I think Filipinos are one of the most creative people human beings on the planet i believe that i feel that inherently our culture is very creative what's your take on arts as a tool for wellness oh good question i think arts and spirituality and wellness is like two sides of the same coin because i honestly believe that it comes from the same energy of creativity and it can be used as a healing tool you know, so like you, you hear about, and, and I'm sure you've done this with your children's workshops, workshops yes. you know, mm-hmm. those are so effective and so needed in the community because arts is healing. It's a way for people to express themselves and for them to come to their back to themselves and become whole, you know, and I feel like through art, you could do that. In so many ways, too, because so now I'm sure in L.A. you've heard of sound baths. That's yes, a big of course. Thing now. Yeah. And then you have visual art therapy mm-hmm. and what else? There's just so many things out there. Last time I saw you, you were absolutely killing it when you starred <laughs> in direct Jenny Hamora's interpretation of Every Brilliant Thing. Oh, thank you. A play by Duncan McMillan and Johnny Donahoe, staged by Sandbox Collective and Nine Works. For those who aren't familiar with this production, it's a one person, in this case, a one woman, in the round um, audience interactive play that tackles mental health in a very, very unique way. Can you please tell us more about Every Brilliant Thing and what drew you to this script? Oh, gosh, I love that play. I, I, I read it two years ago and I was like, and it stuck with me, you know, and I found myself like affected weeks later wow and i go gosh if ever i get this opportunity to perform this play i'm in like a hundred percent no question and then um so i started having conversations and bringing it up to a few people you know and then um then i had a conversation with toff of mm-hmm. sandbox collective and he goes actually we shortlisted this play the year before but then they decided to go with another play of the same writer called Lungs, mm-hmm. starring Jake um, Cuenca and San Jose. 
So they said, maybe we'll get to it. Or maybe they, they didn't know, like, because you said the, the structure is unique Very of how that play runs. It's a one-woman show. It's theater in the round. It's comedy and improv all in one. Basically everything I was scared of. <laughs> all in one That's play. a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. But at the same time, it was such a beautiful story. You know, the story of it is about, it's about a girl who creates a list of every brilliant thing there is about the world and about life and about living. And she presents it to her mom every time her mom comes back from the hospital from attempting to commit suicide. So you really wow. see the innocence of how this character deals with mental health from seven years old up until she's like 35 years old. And you realize at the end she has the same condition and how she deals with it and what she's learned. So the play really takes you on a, a roller coaster of emotions of sort. But the, the magic of the play, I think, is the improv. It's when we cast audience members to play, to help me Various tell the story. Yeah, right. basically, to help me tell the story. So I'd be like, okay, so do you mind if you could be my dad? Yeah. You know, and I really, like, I'm very respectful of people. I always try to ask them first and I get this energetic yes from their eyes oh and no then you were great and the thing is everyone was so game I it was so it fun great. yeah even like people who would normally be shy would be like okay I'll be your boyfriend yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and what was nice was every night the characters you interacted with would change because you don't know who's gonna be sitting in the audience right exactly um, so how did you prepare for this like did you how did you get into the headspace for this role so please tell us about your process Okay, so um, I was actually trained in theater in the States. So usually that involves, you know, um, studying the script, of course, and then your character work would be like, you know, you start with the physical mm -hmm. and then you start building the emotional life of the character, things like that. But for this particular play, I did the complete opposite, you oh. know, where instead of building and building and building onto one thing, I was like, being as vulnerable as possible where you strip away strip mm. away and strip away and strip away it was like the complete opposite process of what i would normally do in building a character it was about vulnerability so i listened to a lot of Brene brown's work you oh know, the, she's she's fantastic she's fantastic <laughs> so i was listening to a lot of work her work her books her workshops about just being vulnerable and being vulnerable and at the end of the day what I learned through this play and interacting with our audience is like just being present and being vulnerable, that's 100% human interaction right there. And that's as honest as you can get. And that was the biggest lesson for me. Wow. That's so beautiful. And we could really feel that because she, your character went through so many things mm -hmm. and we were like laughing and then crying and it just, it just, it felt so real. So congrats again. Thank you so much. <laughs> Mental health is such a prevalent theme in every brilliant thing. At Grounded, we aim to create a safe space for everyone to be their most authentic selves. Why do you think speaking the truth about certain topics such as depression, anxiety, bipolar uh, disorder and the, the like is so considered so taboo in Philippine society. And what do you think people can do in their daily lives to kind of counter this and just shed more light and be like, it's okay. Yeah, I think just, you know, having the play as a platform to kind of open up the conversation and move the needle to, to let people know it's okay to talk about it. It's actually healthy to talk about it, you know? I mean... We weren't trying to do anything like, you know, create major movements, but it's more about just like, like you said, creating a safe space where people can feel like they can talk and it's normal. And we've all experienced it before at some point in our lives. Right. Anxiety, depression, some mental health challenges. We've all been there. Because it is normal. And it's no matter normal. how much you try to sweep it under the rug, it will still be there. So you yes. might as well like face it head on together together yeah. talk about it you know and if if you're going through it reach out to someone you know someone you trust a friend a, a colleague yeah. a parent or a mental health practitioner right. and just just start opening up the conversation because we're human and we all have the same human experiences 
you know that's that's one thing i know for sure is that like yeah we could be doing different careers but at the end of the day we're both human you know yeah, at our very core and what was nice about the play was after everything they showed like help hotlines for yes like, it, well if anyone wanted to talk to someone at any point in the day so that was really nice yeah where do you think there's room for improvement in the cultural or arts industry locally wow good question mm-hmm. um it would be nice to see government supporting um artistic programs and institutions and public institutions yes. it would be nice to see some funds being yeah. generated <laughs> and, much needed and much needed you know if you have some artists that's going to abroad to learn more or something like that or even just locally let's just talk locally like i would Mm -hmm. love to see more art events um that is funded like i I wish we have a public art fund yeah that would be awesome that would be amazing and we would commission like a filipino artist once or twice a year to create original artworks and we can place them around the city for the community to enjoy yeah, like out there. Out there. It's public or... art. Exactly. And, you know, people have sh- are short-sighted. They think, oh, art, art, yeah, whatever. It's always like the first to get cut in any budget. It's like uh. art. And you're like, you know what? Art makes this world a beautiful place. You need it. It's important. Yeah. Not only mm-hmm. do, does it add aesthetic value, it adds financial value to the community. Because Filipinos are inherently creative people. And I think they deserve that opportunity. Amen. (laughs) And what is your dream role, whether for theater or film? Wow, (laughs) good question. It's always the next thing I'm about to do, which I don't know. You know, Um, it's never anything that I've done before. It's it's always something that I've never done before. Wow. Um, If it's film, I'd love to do a film where, you know, it's a female, of course, led. yeah cast yeah. <laughs> you know um and and females carry most of the weight in the role uh, in the in the film god good question so that's not really specific like oh i would love to be like wonder woman or something it's more like whatever comes next what's challenging that you that's kind of yet. how i approach the projects i get into it's always like okay what do i want to do next like for example when i came across every brilliant thing i'd already been considering Oh, I haven't been in this space, in the performance space for about eight years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, I think it's time. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize it's been eight years just because, you know, life got busy. I started an art company. I got married. I had a child. I had a second child. And before you know it, like six years had gone by. Wow. So I'm like, OK, wait, I need to find a story that I'm really passionate about. And let's tell that story. You know, it's like it's like that. Like I love to do many projects, multidisciplinary, whether mm-hmm. it's visual arts or, you know, even helping nice. kids or whatever. Can you tell us about your multidisciplinary art studio, Collective Eighty Eight? Yes, yes. So around two thousand eight, um, I was filming the show Project Runaway Philippines, mm-hmm. and it was during one of those times that I was thinking, "Wow, this is a great show," and. It only takes us six weeks to film it. So what do I do with my other, you know, I I realized I had a lot of time. Okay. So I'm like, okay, what do I want to do next? And I always ask myself that question, like, what would be the next um, most interesting project that would be the highest contribution and give the gifts I have? And I've always loved art because before modeling and before any of that, I was supposed to go to Parsons in New York for painting and sculpture. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was really... So I, I started exploring that space again. I started attending art fairs in Miami and New York and, you know, London and starting immersing myself in the art world, and then I met my mentor. So I always feel like the moment you start asking from the universe, the universe will answer and will mm-hmm. show you if you listen. Yeah, you know, you gotta, and, that's the important part. You got to listen. You got to listen, and how do you listen? You got to quiet your mind in order for you to hear that voice. And then you find the path kind of lights up. Yeah, and so, it doesn't light up all the way. Yeah. It's not like South Superhighway or no, whatever. No, no. no, it kind of like lights up a little bit at a time. And like, oh, okay, this is the next signpost and this is the next signpost. Which so, led you to having your own kind of like a studio where you support local artists and correct. get the word, word out there. Yeah. Yes, correct. So around 2009, I started pivoting. Uh, end of 2008, 2009, I started pivoting and I started going into the art world. At first, I was very, very quiet about it. I would help people buy art 
It was really that simple. Oh. I'd help interior designers, furnish condos and things like that and offer my services for free. And then around 2011, we were um, awarded the project for Solaire. We're basically, we curated, we produced, we you know put together the entire art package for the property from the public spaces to the private spaces and the first huge. phase and the second phase. Mm -hmm. So it, it gave us a chance to really sink our teeth into something creative on a long-term basis. So from 2011 to about 2013, I disappeared off the face of the performance world and anything visual or fashion, and mm -hmm. I focused completely on building Collective 88 as an art company. Teresa, you are absolutely glowing, and I'm not just saying that. I want to know how this pregnancy has been so far and how it's different from the first two. So can you shed some light? Oh, thank you. Um, I guess at this point in my life, I'm just really happy. You know, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm in a happy place. Oh I'm 43 years old. Um, this is our third baby. Yeah. Complete surprise. Oh, so, you weren't expecting. No. Oh, my goodness. You know what I found out? I found out after the second weekend we opened the play. You were pregnant. I was pregnant. Every I was pregnant thing. when we were doing every oh. brilliant thing. But I couldn't say anything. I'm getting stressed for you. And that happened like months yeah. ago. And that, you know how emotional and physical that play yeah. was, right? So, but I couldn't say anything. So the only people that knew was me and my husband. Okay. Because yeah. you're not even supposed to announce until you're in ten until weeks. Until like the yeah, like there's sure. a safe mark, mm -hmm. right? So complete surprise. But you know we're taking it as it comes. And the other two, my other two boys, have been just like so fun, and I'm really embracing the whole motherhood journey. Oh, your baby's in for a ride. Uh, it's like, oh, wow, mom, I'm like, uh, I've been through all these like emotional That's what my husband exercises says. Yeah. in the belly. <laughs> That's what my husband says. He's like, oh, wow, this one's going to be very emotional. Yeah. Very emotional indeed. What are some of the biggest changes you, you know, encountered ever since you became a mother. Being more intentional and more purposeful with my time. I think how I spend my time mm -hmm. because now it's like my priorities are clear. You know, it's really like first is family and my kids. And it's like anything that takes me away from them has to be worth it. Okay. No questions asked. So thank you for your time this morning. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. But um, what are the lessons you've learned since becoming a mom aside from being more intentional? Is there anything that kind of any wild card surprise that jumped out of you and was like, oh, wow, I did not know that? I think in general, the number one thing I learned is not to be so hard on myself because before I had kids, I was about like I was that person who was like, okay, what's next? What's next? Let's let's produce. Let's this. Let's that. Wow. It was always like the next thing, the next thing. And I, as a mom, I just learned to like sit back, relax, and Go wait for flow. what's next to come to me. Mm. You know, it's like, and no matter how much you plan, it never happens that way. Right. It never does. You can plan until you're blue in the face. <laughs> It just never comes out that way. So just learning how to be really more fluid Flexible. in terms of yeah, schedules and things like that. Mm. So that being said, do you have any tips for new moms? New moms, I love you. <laughs> um, just let's just be easier on ourselves. You know, let's give ourselves a break. Um, let's try not to fit into our size two jeans right after we give birth. Let's just you know, you just delivered a human being um, and let's just nurture and nourish that and you're nurturing the next generation of people so how we are with ourselves is how our kids are going to see and model that yeah because they their pick future. up on that oh my like, god they pick up everything do you have any tips or advice for women who want to be mothers someday such as myself like how do you manage expectations and get over the fear of the pain of childbirth? <laughs> yeah, I was really scared of that too. Because yeah. I waited. I waited for a long time. So I had my first baby at 39 okay. and my second one at 41. And now I'm 43. So I waited. Um, definitely, if you want it, just hold on to the vision. Dude, I'm know? so scared. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be. It can be. But you know you have your partner i mean quark is super supportive right, i think he's no. gonna be the greatest dad i think if he could do the giving birth he would do, he would it. do it he's so down like that yeah so Aww. but like any tips for people in the future like were you 
freaking out about timeline before or like were you like oh how will i manage this and that i think more so now because mm-hmm. we have a third baby coming mm-hmm. and you're just you have a busy house you have right. two toddlers how do i manage everyone's schedule how do i make sure everyone's fed and yeah. everyone's got to be where they need to be it, it's about like time management and of course having help mm-hmm. having help and in, uh, in a help supportive you run the ship yeah like, have you're you're directing the ship so you need someone to like just help you just keep an eye on them or like if you need to they need to be dropped off somewhere it's a lot of communication, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's it's worth it, you know? Just just be patient with yourself because mm-hmm. I think more than anything, your kids are not going to be hard on you. You're always hard on you. Oh, wow. You know, so you just got to learn, right. like, your kids are not going to be judging you. No matter what, you're mommy to them and oh. you're their world. So don't worry about, like, being perfect, you know? Just show up present and full every day and be available to them noted i'm gonna rewind to this moment yeah in the future and i think it's so what's nice about growing up here in the philippines i have a lot of friends who are moving back from london the states simply because the community is so big we tend Mm. to have bigger families here so if you're busy and let's say mom can't take the baby you've got like tita or grandma exactly everyone's always just like leave them here and never take them back and there's always a family day there's mm -hmm. always a family meal every week with the entire family you know i love that exactly story so nice so you're one of our favorite online personalities viewing your yeah viewing your posts is like getting a positivity injection (laughs) every time thank you mariko was saying she regularly watches your igtv we were watching your farm at san benito tour and i don't know good vibes um (laughs) especially since she's pregnant as well yes and you share tips and give updates on your own pregnancy this is a question from her she wants to know how do you use social media productively and not let it slow you down or distract you from what needs to be done because we've all been there like victims of mindless like scrolling and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure i've definitely been there and it, it it's a struggle I have to say, you know, it's a struggle that we have to deal with every day. But I told myself that when I'm with my kids, my phone is not going to be anywhere near me. Wow, that's really that's so I'm really like so if and I check my phone. Yeah. First thing in the morning, nine o'clock, I check all my emails. I check what I need to send what urgent communication I need to. Mm -hmm. But the moment I'm with my kids, my phone is away and I'll check in email three times throughout the day. But I'm trying really hard to be present and not be attached to the phone wow yeah can you walk us through a normal day in your life if such a thing exists yes. like do you have a routine or any rituals that don't change despite whatever else is going on in the agenda exactly so i have like a book end for my day so i have my five to about seven thirty, and then i have my after the kids go down until about nine o'clock so the morning routine is always i wake up um, I try to meditate, you know, um, at least 20 to 30 minutes. And then I go walk my dog around the village. Mm-hmm. And then I start breakfast for the family. Or I light my incense and or sage or palo santo, whatever. You know, so I have some sort of blessing and cleansing for the house. And then I light a candle and then I prepare breakfast. So when the kids come down, breakfast is ready and there's a candle lit. And they always think it's their birthday. Because they're like, oh, happy birthday. That's really sweet. I try. Uh-huh. Um, and then in the evenings, after the kids go down, I like to do a little bit of self-care. Um, so, of course, you know, your bath, your masks, scrubs, whatever yeah. you need to do, your girly <laughs> time. And then I've really started to make an effort to read more. So basically, as, as soon as the sun goes down, I don't touch my phone anymore. That's so great. I Yeah, I just like leave it in the bathroom and it's plugged in. If people need to get a hold of me, telepathy let's make it happen people pigeon um, mail yeah yeah but I, I don't really need my phone after the kids go down also because screens like staring at the light that too. keeps you up exactly that's yeah. what that's what i heard in the research that's coming out is the blue light feeds insomnia and things like that exactly so mm-hmm. that's why i really just started so I, i'm more making more of an effort to read books again mm-hmm. and um and journal Oh. Yeah, going back to journaling and dreaming and manifesting things, you know. Do you remember your dreams when you wake up? For the most part, yes. Wow. Cool. And how do you deal with multitasking in this fast? 
fast-paced world because you do so many things and i know you said you were focused now more on your family yeah but then no i still feel like you're doing a million things how do you yeah. manage to do everything at the same time i actually don't do everything at the same time okay. i do different things at different times but oh. it just seems like i'm multitasking because they're all different projects and probably because of social media we're like oh she's here now but it yeah like a delayed post it, i'm queen of late posts i never post in real time just because like i'll be posting something and i'm preparing it preparing it and next thing you know i'm like ace don't touch that and then i drop my phone <laughs> and like trying to catch my son from jumping off something and then i forget about the post so i'm always like super delayed post um but for the most part i'm trying to be more present so if i'm fully engaged in a project like we were doing every brilliant thing it's just pretty that. much that i'm 150 percent in it that's what i think breathe eat sleep that and then mm. we move on to the next project and then i will be a hundred percent in it you know as a very hands-on mom do you ever mm -hmm. get overwhelmed and how do you find that balance how do you like recenter yourself yeah i do get overwhelmed a lot you know i used to experience severe anxiety in my 20s okay. and i spoke about it openly during every brilliant thing when we, whenever we had talkbacks so i still experience it sometimes and um, how I deal with it is um, meditation. I just try to meditate. I talk to my husband about it. If I'm, you know, overwhelmed about something or I feel like I'm not up to par or if I'm frustrated about something, I try to just express it and get it out. Get it out there. Yeah. So is that how you, how you deal with stress? Like yeah, for the meditation. most part. Or I tried not to get into stressful situations at, at all, actually. That's smart prevention, better yeah. than cure. Like, you know, like, so I'm really, I evaluate each project and what I need to put in it time-wise, resources-wise, things like that. And if I know it's going to be too stressful and it's going to throw my family life out of balance, I opt out of it, you know, so. And do you have any special little tips and tricks on how to stay present? Like someone once told me, you observe everything with all your senses. So first, like, hmm, what am I tasting right now? What am I seeing, hearing, yes. feeling? Do you, have, do you do anything like that? I just breathe, you know, breathe. breathe. And I have this tool called so the simple. Love Tuner. Yeah. Have you ever heard of it? No. I actually brought one for each of you girls. <gasps> it's, it's there. I forgot to Guys, give it. we I have prezzies. Yeah, <laughs> I brought presents. So basically, a Love Tuner is a, um, is a necklace you wear around your neck. And it looks like a little bullet, but it's a mindfulness tool. Wow. So you pull it out, and then you blow on it like a whistle. But that sound is the 528 frequency, which is a frequency of love, miracles, and healing. <gasps> now, Coldplay composes in this 528 frequency. U2 composes in 528 frequency. There's a lot of things around the planet is 528 frequency, but it's this frequency where it, like you experience complete body mindfulness. So I have that. So I, I use that all the time, but I forgot to bring it oh right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. So you're basically welcome. you're giving us mindfulness bling. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Mindfulness bling. <laughs> and when you get your you time, what's a must do in your daily life? You, um, Aside from like the masks and the bubble baths and the reading, do you pray or do you do like extra yoga? massage yeah i try not to do anything <laughs> I, when i have extra you time i'm like oh god i'm gonna lie down for a second yes, take a nap massage massage mm -hmm. have someone take care of me for a change that's so nice <laughs> yeah and what what's your take on technology and kids um do you plan to introduce all the gadgets and apps slowly to your children or maybe allow them to have their own social media like down the road or is this something that they're already exposed to like how do you feel about technology my kids are super young okay. you know ace is four reese is two mm -hmm. their only experience of technology is really like um like a kitty show on netflix or something like that but even that's limited to like 10 15 minutes okay um i think there's plus and minuses i think if uh, technology is such an amazing tool at, you know with the access you have with the information from all over the world social media how you connect to so many people in one go so there is benefits to it but i think it's about teaching them how to interact with it in a mindful way you know so even um i mean there's awesome reading apps yeah. so you can't avoid giving them an ipad because 
there's screens everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be mindful of the content they're consuming as well. You know, I, I think for, for my little ones. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's, it's new, it's new territory, new territory. And each child is different Mm because my eldest one is like gravitates toward it. And my other one is like, you turn it off. He's like, (laughs) he's fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So each child is different. So you just kind of got to like see which one and know what's healthy boundary for them. Mm -hmm. Be like, okay, yeah, we could do word party for 10 minutes. But after that, we're going to take a nap. Okay. And like, you know, just get that conversation going. I think is that's great because there are some really scary things out there like there's I'm yeah. not sure if you've heard of this kids video that was trending where this like weird docking doll would tell the kids like give them dares and things to do and then after a while I heard about this yeah so people after that I feel became more vigilant on like their kids lock and things like that but it's it's good to talk about these things because back yeah. in the day like even growing up we had literally my friends and I would get pots and pans bring them to the swimming pool and pretend we were cooking like stews and potions and that was our like that was our youtube yeah exactly like can we bring it back to that time please you know it's the best yeah we actually recently held our first set of kids workshops that introduced mindfulness to kids through art what do you think of introducing different forms of art to kids at an early age and like what's a good age to start oh gosh as soon as they could open their eyes and look at you and see you could do so many things um in terms of them interacting with you i think two is a good age you know because then they really that's when they really start interacting with the world around them because before two everything is about them Mm. and then they realize that two it's like oh there's somebody else here (laughs) it's a great big world out there yeah and then they start you know looking to others for validation and things like that so that's a great time you know i think every day is a great opportunity to show kids something new that they've never experienced before and just you know their sense of wonder is actually incredible and do you find yourself learning as well in the process like as you're introducing yeah 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 totally i think that's what makes motherhood fun for me it's like i'm learning things through their eyes wow that's so precious and (laughs) how do you teach your kids Uh, mindfulness and positivity we're trying to instill on a daily basis gratitude and kindness you know like just simple things like when I give you something thank you mama you know something like that just those small gestures I think will reap big rewards Mm. later that's so great I love me a good gratitude practice Mm. if we had the time I could talk for like I don't know how long about how gratitude changed my life but we're gonna move on yeah (laughs) i think that's a dinner conversation yeah hang out at dinner yeah (laughs) if you were president or queen of the world and you could require everyone to do just one thing daily that would positively affect their lives what would it be i would require everyone to do one random act of kindness for someone else that's so nice and not tell anyone about it yeah, like not post about it. <laughs> not post about it. It's just something you just do for someone else and out of the kindness of your heart. Nice. And so tell us what's next for Teresa Herrera. <laughs> what's next is baby number three yeah. coming in October. Ooh, yeah, Halloween so, baby? Uh, Mid-October, but yes, definitely going to be Halloween parties for this one. Maybe a Scorpio. Yeah. Water baby again, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, exciting. We're so excited for you. Thank you so much. And if your sons happen to stumble upon this recording in the future, say 10 to 15 years from now, is there any podcast time capsule message you want to say to them? Call your mother. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. You're never too busy to call your mother. Aww. And last but not the least, what keeps you grounded? Oh, my family. Love. Thank you so much for your time today, Teresa. I really enjoyed talking to you and I got so many useful tips and insights. So thank you so much. Likewise. And I'm excited for you and your journey. Thank you. (laughs) 